I'm excited for today. If you're brand new to our church, this is Oceans, and, and we like to have a good time. We, we're, we're, I would say we're pretty normal people, but we're just passionate about God. You know, sometimes we go to churches that have no passion, and we're like, this place seems weird. I think we're just used to things that aren't passionate. So when we see loving God with all your heart, and we see God loving God with all your mind, and you see him loving with all your strength, I'm like, the neighbor was jumping next to me. Well, he's trying to go after God today. And that girl behind me has a terrible voice, but she was loud. Come on, we're just trying to make a joyful noise, somebody. It's joyful. It doesn't sound good, but it's joyful. So um, anyways, I'm glad you're here today. And we started a series. Many of you know last week we started a series called Multiply. Say it with me, Multiply. You know I was very stern and I was very serious when I said I really believe the next four weeks that everything that we talk about, God is going to multiply. So last week, we talked about disciples, and wouldn't you know, the same week we talked about multiplying disciples, we had over 400 people go through free dive. 400. 400 that got set free. 400 that got full of the Spirit. 400 that are going to get baptized. We're making disciples, ladies and gentlemen. And this week, God said, I want you to talk about talents. And I believe this is going to be a week that God multiplies our talents. Just go ahead and say an amen on credit. He's going to do it. I, I promise you. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about God multiplying our resources. Our resources. Is, uh, is, is, and I'll explain. It's not, it's not going to be weird. I'm not, I promise. I'm not a televangelist. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to tell you something that's unbiblical and promise you oil from the, ho the Holy Land. Uh, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says, that God gives seeds to the sowers. And you know what it means to be prosperous? Prosperity doesn't mean that you have a jets and you have excessive wealth. It could mean that if that's where your gifts take you. But really, biblical prosperity means that the wind of heaven would be behind you. Who says that's an okay thing to have? The wind of heaven behind you. So yeah, if you're a day trader, the wind of heaven is going to be behind you. You're probably going to do really well at it. But if you're a football coach, you'll end up like Coach Prime. Can I get a witness up in here? All our Colorado fans all of a sudden. There you are. But, you know, I think the wind of heaven comes behind us when we steward resources well. And here was the formula that God gave me. He said, tell my people that I'm going to multiply disciples because that's how God reaches people. And I'm going to multiply talents because that's how God works in people. And then I'm going to multiply resources because that's how God works through people. And then the fourth week we're going to talk about miracles, that that's God's work for people. So these next four weeks, God is going to multiply. If you believe it, say a good amen. I know it's hot in here, but just go ahead and get on the edge of your seat like you're your favorite movie. We're going to lean in today. Is that all right? If we hear something good, we're going to say amen. We're going to write notes. Paper doesn't forget. And when God speaks to us, we're not going to forget what he says. Because we all know this. One word from God changes everything. It'll get your brain working again. It'll get your heart healed again. It'll restore a marriage, a relationship. It'll bring a son or daughter back to God. It takes one word. So we don't sit here cavalier, arms crossed, posing for the cover girl for the Lamentations. We're here to lean into the things of God. Come on, if you believe it, say a good amen. amen. I often say if I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. You give me Presbyteria eyebrow raise. I'll take a Latter-day Saint deep breath. You just give me something today, amen? We're going to have a good time today. And if you don't have a good time in this church, you're boring, not me. I'm not a boring preacher. You're a boring listener. I'm going to have a good time. You guys ready to have a good time? 
and I might offend you, but if, it, if I do offend you, it'll be with truth. And I always tell people, I'd rather offend you with truth than kiss you with lies. So I'm going to be very honest with you today. Everyone in this room has a talent. Everyone in this room has a talent. And apparently it's not self-esteem. Come on, where's where people have some talent in these tents? And I want to talk to you today that God actually is looking and he's telling you to multiply those talents. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. It's a familiar passage, but God gave me some things I've never seen before that I want to share with you. And I believe if you'll lean into this word that God will actually multiply the grace on your life. Matthew chapter 25, if you're there, say, I'm ready. Matthew 25, it's a parable. People don't know what parables are. Parables is when Jesus would tell a story using something everybody understood to explain things that everybody wondered about. That was a parable. He would explain the abstract, the abstract using things that were tangible that we knew. And that's what happens here in Matthew chapter 25. This is what he says. He says, the kingdom of God, the what? Kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods. Whose goods? To them. And to one of them, he gave five talents. To another of them, he gave two talents. And to another one, he gave one talent. Watch this part, very important. Each according to their own ability. And immediately, the master went on a journey. Let me say two things out of the gate that are very significant that we don't get as Americans. This was written and spoken during a time that there was not liberty to rise to any social economic class you desire to go to. This was in a day and hour of antiquity that there was caste systems. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a master that gives slaves what he owns... That would have blown their mind out of the gate. They would have said, aspirin, please. We don't understand this. Because slaves couldn't own the master's property. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like a master that gives his slaves, his servants, ownership. You see, in that day and age, if you were born a peasant, you would die a peasant. Come on, you ever seen Aladdin? Know what I'm talking about up in here. A whole new world, right? And so we know that if you were born in the middle class, you died in the middle class. If you were born in the royal class, you died in the royal class. So for someone to say that a royal class person could give a lower class person his goods, mind-boggling. He keeps on saying this. He goes, so he went on a long journey after he gave him the gifts. And the guy that gave five talents to, he traded with them. He what? He traded with them. He went to the market. And he made another five talents talents. Likewise, he would receive two talents, receive two more also. But he would receive one, went and dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his Lord's money after a long time. How long? It was a long time. A couple thousand years at least. We know at least 2,000 years, right? After a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. So he would receive five talents, came and brought to him five other talents. Watch what he says. Lord, you gave me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful. You were faithful. You were faithful. You ever thought about this? 
What was he faithful to do? He multiplied what he was given. And you know what God defines faithfulness as? The ability to multiply. Some people think, I'll just be faithful. I'm going I'm to prove something today. Faithfulness is not maintenance. God has never considered maintaining what you currently have faithfulness. God defines faithfulness by the ability to take what he has given you and doing something with it that's beyond maintaining. I'm coming for someone today. You guys ready to go? He says, I've given you five more. So he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy. The what? Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came back and said the exact same thing. Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more also besides them. The master said, well done, good and faithful. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. What was he? So he was afraid. And he went and he, I hid your money in the ground. Look, I have exactly what you gave me. Here, take it back. But the Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. It's crazy that they just called him wicked. They called him you ever read the Bible, you're like, man, that was like pretty rough. It gets rougher. Buckle up. Watch what he says. You knew that I reap where I don't sow. You know where I gather where I don't scatter seed. So you should have went to, to Brad Parton at Wells Fargo Inve Financial Investments, deposited with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have got at least some interest back. Maybe 5.5% right now. So take the talent from him that didn't do anything with it and give it to the guy that has how many talents? For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Cast this unprofitable, un this is crazy, this is business talk, folks. God is looking for a ROI, a return on investment. He says, cast out this unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The actual original Greek means U-Haul trailer moving. <laughs> Got to keep it light. This is a heavy scripture, man. You guys ready to go today? I want to talk to you about multiplying your talents today. And uh, my title is, What Did You Do With It? Look at your neighbor and say, What Did You Do With It? Let's pray. Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you for the Trojans' victory last night in double overtime. I was at the game. And uh, I thank you that, God, you're moving in Orange County in Southern California. We believe that you're doing something awesome today in these tents. I pray whether we have no faith or great faith that you would meet us today. Heal sick bodies, transform sick minds, bring things that are dead back to life again. Do what only God can do. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this church. God, we bind every spirit of fear. We bind every spirit of perversion. We bind every spirit of doubt. And we declare in Jesus' name that God is Lord in this place. And if you believe it in Orange County, come on, shout a good amen. Amen. Have you ever, uh, I don't argue with Rochelle. Sometimes I tell her why she's wrong. 
We have disagreements every once in a while, not very often. My wife's an angel. She traces her lineage back to Gabriel and Michael. But every once in a while, we'll have a disagreement about where she puts something. It's probably one of the things that bothers her the most about me is I'm quick to be like, I know I put it here. Where did you put it? My wife is beautiful. She's gifted. She's creative. She is godly and good looking. Come on, double threat. And uh, I'll tell you, one of her gifts is too, she can clean our house in 47 seconds. If we get a knock at the door and someone's coming inside, my wife, she just like, my wife just, she's a, she's, a, she's a bit of a perfectionist. She likes things to be in order and clean, and she's very just like, I like things to be presentable, and she's very protocol-oriented, and I was like, I came from the Antelope Valley, the home of Afro Man. Come on, because I got high. That was a song he sang. I came from the Antelope Valley. My wife came from Gabriel Michael's family. So she had to, she's had to educate me about the finer things in life. But one of the things she told me, she's like, Mark, you got to clean before cleaners come. I never knew that. I'd be in a hotel room. I'm like, it's good. She's like, you're a slob. Pick that up. And so I'd have to pick stuff up and clean. I'd clean before the cleaners came to the hotel room. She's like, zip your suitcase up. I'm like, why am I zipping my suitcase? She's like, that's not polite to have your suitcase open. I had no idea this is a real thing. She's teaching me things. I'm a disciple. Come on, somebody. But my wife, we got a knock at the door, and she's like, oh, my gosh. We weren't expecting company. And she's like, give me 60 seconds. And anything out of order in our house is now in order. The only downfall is you will never find anything again. It's the only weakness. It's only one weakness is that if I left clothes out and she cleaned, we're buying new clothes. I joke with her. I call it rat holing. I'm like, you like took this stuff and you just put it in some hole somewhere in the earth. I never seen it again. And I'm like, man, like, where did you put it? And, uh, you know, I'll be very honest. I got to confess here. Many times I give her credit for losing things that I lost myself. Is there any, is there any husbands in here that can be humble today and say, I've, there's been some friendly fire. Friendly fire. Like, Rochelle, I know you did. There it is right there. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's actually right where I left it. Forgot I put it there. Sorry, babe. She's like, you were saying? I'm like, ah, stinks. Where did you put it? I was thinking about, you know, oftentimes whether it's our keys, our phone, our tablets. You know, I've gotten out of the airport before, and I'm like, Rochelle, where did you park the car? She's like, you drove. I'm like, dang it. (laughs) There's a fine line between I don't know where I parked and I think someone stole our vehicle. Have you ever had the mentally get to that edge? My friend Joe has. Joe said, I was looking for 45 minutes for my car in Atlanta's parking lot in the, in the airport at ATL. And he said, I was getting ready to call the cops, but I wasn't prepared for the embarrassment if I actually didn't have my car get stolen. <laughs> Officer, I swear, was like, there it is. Okay, sorry. False alarm. We're good. We found it. Where did you put it? Our house, I have two girls. I, I'm actually, I, I have my two daughters. I have my wife. My little sister lives with me. My mom comes to town often. The only male we have in the house is my dog. I live in an estrogen farm. Pray for me. And I, uh, I literally, like, pretty much, like, one of the phrases that circulates around our house a lot is, like, where did you put it? Like, where, where'd it go? Where'd it go? It's like, I know this right here. I left it right here. Where did you, what did you do with it? 
What did you do with it? I would say a lot of, a lot of disagreements start with, what did you do with it? What did you, I didn't do nothing. What did you do? I didn't do, you don't know, no, you did something. They're like, okay, okay, I did, I did, I did. Okay, that's my bad. I did something with it. And I just, uh, I was praying for you today. I was thinking about talents and this interesting story. And I actually think that the talents that are represented here in this parable actually isn't just physical money. It was the grace that God gives to all of his kids. Hear me very clearly today. God is just, but he's not fair. I need you to catch this out of the gate today. God is just, but he's not fair. What do you mean, Mark? I mean that if God was fair, they all would have got three talents. If God was fair, I would sing as good as Bodie. I would. I would sing as good as Bodie, and I would be as good looking as Malachi. If God was fair. But I'm not, it's not fair. It's not fair. There's people that sing better, cook better, dance better, organize better, do math better, that are better at grammar, English, science, biology, chemistry. Keep that, hell. Chemistry, my gosh, that's of the devil. But there's people out there that seem to be really gifted at areas that me and you are not gifted in. But the truth is, everyone is gifted somewhere. Can we agree on that today? I would argue and say that you think you're a zero, but when God stands next to you, he's number one. And whenever there's a zero standing next to one, you become a dime. Can I get an amen? I'm a dime piece. I'm just a zero, but God stood next to me and I became a 10. And here's the truth. I believe every one of God's kids are a 10 somewhere. And if you haven't found out where you're a 10 at, you just haven't discovered your gift yet. But make no mistake about it. Everybody's a 10 somewhere. I'll look into a refrigerator until I'm just like, I'm in, I'm in deep, deep, dark depression. I'm, I'm mad at myself at how, how healthy I shopped the week before. But there is nothing in this fridge. My mom will come into town, stare in the same fridge, cork a, cook a gourmet meal. I'm like, how did you whip something out of nothing? There's nothing in this fridge. She's like, Mark, you got groceries for three years. My mom was raised by mom from the Great Depression. Come on, somebody. Grandma Abel stored cash in her mattress. My mom could make, make food for like six years out of things. My mom was the designated smeller in our house. Come on, somebody. There's always that one person that's throwing stuff away before it's expired. And my mom's like, don't worry about the expiration date. Just give it a smell. I'm like, what are you talking about? Get salmonella poisoning or something. I don't know. You know, there's talents that we all have. And I love this story because it's basically, it's, it's pointing out this idea that the, the good news is, is even though God's not fair, God's just. Well, we know that God's just because he would never give you an expectation to return something on an ability that he never gave you to begin with. He only expects you, here's the good news, he only expects you to multiply according to the ability he gave you. He doesn't expect me to preach like T.D. Jakes. Thank God. Come on, somebody. He doesn't expect me to think like Rick Warren. Thank God, somebody. He doesn't expect me to do something like somebody else does it. He is going to actually give an account of me one day of the grace he gave Mark Francie. I'm not responsible for how somebody else uses their grace. But I am responsible on the, on the, on the gifts, on the talents, on the abilities that he gave me. Can I get an amen? And the reason why most people never use their gifts for God or their talents for God is they don't realize that everything you have is on loan from heaven. Write this down. Every gift in your life is from God. It's for God. And eventually, it's going to be back. It's going to be returned to God. I'll say it again. It's from God. It's for God. And eventually, 
it'll be returned back to God. How do you know? Because these two faithful these two faithful servants, they took it, they traded with it, they went to market with it, they multiplied it, and after they they received it, it was from the master. They knew that the, whatever they got was for the master. And when the master came back after a long time, they knew that it was going to go back to the master. You know what I love about the story is that when you realize everything in your life is from God, for God, and it'll be returned to God, here's the beautiful thing, is you live life as a renter and not an owner. You know, when I moved to California, I rented for three years. And the best part, I would say my favorite part about being a renter, is that when something breaks, it's not my problem. I'll call my landlord. I'd say, hey, you got a problem with your dishwasher. Here's how I'd say it. Your dishwasher broke. My, land, uh, my landlord had never even been to my house. He's never lived in my house before. He bought it. It was brand new little patio home. Never lived in it. But anytime something broke, he was on the hook. And that's the best part about renting. And all the renters said a good amen. <laughs> It's like, man, the sprinklers break, some faucet breaks, pipe busts. You're like, uh, you have a problem. You know why? Because they own it, not me. Do you know why some of you have so much stress in your life? Because you own your life right now. And the problem is God made humanity in need of an owner. That's why if you don't worship God, you'll worship football. If you don't worship God, you'll worship money. You'll worship status. You'll worship politics. You'll worship fame. Are you hearing me today? I don't, you might never worship Jesus Christ. That's your prerogative. But I promise you, you are a worshiper. The human species is a worshiping species. You'll worship junk, stuff, things, treasure. If you don't worship God, you will worship something. But here's what we know. If the Lord Jesus Christ is the owner of your life, here's the beautiful thing. When your marriage breaks, you can call him up. Like Adam, and he'd be like, hey, this woman you gave me. Your car breaks down the way to church, you're like, Lord, your car just broke down. You get a crazy bill in the mail, you're like, Lord, you better come up with some money for this bill. You just got an unexpected expense. Not sure how you're going to deal with that one. Are you being serious? This is how I've lived my life for 22 years. I am renting Mark Francie's life. Jesus Christ owns it. Are you hearing me today? And God told me there's many of you that are stressed out of your minds because you can't fix the problems that you can't own. You're trying to own things that you're supposed to lease from God. Life is on lease. Can I get a witness in here? And I think this is very important today because there was wise, two wise, and one foolish. Two wise and one foolish. Two wise and one foolish. Two multiplied their talents, and guess what the reward was? More talents. Do you know what the reward is for good work with God? More work. I love the, I love like, I don't know if I want to clap for this or not. I hoping I get like a vacation by a pool somewhere. No, if you're faithful, God will give you more to be faithful over. To him who has, more will be given. Some of you don't have anything right now because you haven't been faithful with anything God's given you. Some of you have no joy because you're trading, but you're not trading for the master. You're multiplying, but you're not multiplying for the master's kingdom. 
And when you multiply the talents for your own kingdom, there's no joy. But when you multiply what God's given you for his kingdom, there's great joy. You realize that what you're doing as a tax accountant, what you're doing as an educator, what you're doing in the medical career, that I'm not just making a paycheck, I'm making an eternal difference. I'm not just making a living. I'm making an eternal impact. Most people never multiply their talents because they don't know that there's four things that are required to multiply your talents. Number one, the first thing we got to do to multiply our talents is we got to understand the first thing we know about the wise, the wise, the wise servants is number one, they knew they were called by the master. Some of you think that you're an accident. And you know how you live when you think you're an accident? Accidentally. I'm just kind of floating through life. I think I'm gonna go to Europe, backpack for six months. I gotta find myself. Let me save you some money and a whole lot of sweaty travel. You will never find you by looking for you. Let me, let me, let me give you an illustration today. If you got given a brand new Honda car and you wanted to find out how to use the car and you've never driven and you've never seen a car before and you wanted to find out how do I use this gift God gave me, you wouldn't go to Europe Hop on trains, walk by the beach, and just go, I just have this thing back in America. How do I use it? You know what you would probably do? You'd be smart if you actually went to the owner's manual. Located in the glove box. And you would go, how do I use this thing the way God, the creator, designed it? Most people are trying to figure out how to, how to find themselves. You don't find yourself by looking for you, Jethro. You find yourself by looking for the one that made you. And when you find him, you find life. And the reason why you've never found life is because you've never found him. And the good news is you don't find him. He actually finds you. He's not lost. Can I get an amen? He, uh, first wise servant, he was faithful to know that he was called. You know what calling gives you? Purpose. Do you know why people get suicidal? Because they have no purpose. My life's an accident. My life doesn't matter. I could die tomorrow and no one would even miss me. No, you would be missed. Not only by your family and loved ones, but by God himself. Because God gave you a calling and a talent that only you can fulfill. And if you don't operate in your space, your sphere, use your gifts, your grace, there will be something incomplete in eternity. The beyond finished business. There was many times in scripture, there was a time when there was a terrorist by the name of Saul of Tarsus, and uh, God said to a certain disciple named Ananias, there's a guy named Saul, he's praying on the street called Straight, go there that he might get his sight back and receive the Holy Spirit. He said, in a dream, Saul of Tarsus saw a man named Ananias. God had so much confidence in a specific man named Ananias, that if Ananias would have taken his life, Saul would have never been saved. God showed Saul a man named Ananias. I wonder how far God would have had to reach if Ananias would have said no. You know why? Because God made you with a unique fingerprint. Those 8 billion human beings sucking oxygen on this earth, none of us have the same prints. That's why criminals, they, they dust crime scenes because they go, if I can get his fingerprint, we can identify who he is. Why does God give unique prints? Because God wants you to leave an impression no one else can leave. There is, yeah, yeah, I feel like preaching a little bit here today. There are some specific things that only you can do that I can't do. 
Some of you are engineers. Some of you are inventors and entrepreneurs. And some of you are directors and creatives and artsy. And, and some of you are right brain, left brain. Some of you are counselors. You are called to do something that nobody else can do. And I want you to know today that the, the one thing that we know about these wise servants is they knew that there was a calling and a purpose. They knew that their life, listen to me, their personality, listen to me, their mind, their body type, their friends, their family, their church, their testimony, I've got to use all of it for the God that made me. And you know why some of you are empty? Because you've never used what you have in life for God. You spent every one of your talents for you. And I'll tell you right now that the fastest way to emptiness is to give your best to something other than God. I gave my best energy to my employer. I gave my best energy to my wife, my kids. You can make an idol out of good things. The only one that deserves your very best is the God that made you. It's good teaching today, man. We'll have a teaching Sunday. It's all right. I'll say amen to myself. I know good teaching when I hear it. I want you to know that he says this. We know that you're living for your calling and your purpose. When, he, when you listen to the last, last word in the reward phrase, the reward phrase was well done, good and faithful. I want you to know this. Hear me very clearly. Everyone has something in common. The purpose of your life is always connected to service. We live in a world that says if you're successful, you hire servants. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't get a house cleaner or a landscaper. I mean, some of you, you need it. Come on. <laughs> but I want you to know that the goal of life is to use whatever gift God gave you to serve. Yeah. You serve God with it, yeah. and you serve, you serve people with it. Yeah. And whether you're a CEO of a Fortune 50 company, do you know that you're called to serve at the same level I'm called to serve as a pastor? Do you know whether you're a kindergartner uh, school teacher, whether you're, whether you're a Wall Street uh, investor, every single one of you have gifts that God expects a return on. There is an ROI in, in mindset of God's head that at some point, it doesn't, might not be right now, but remember this, God gave everything to you, and he gave everything to you so you can give it from him for God, and eventually you're going to return it to God. And when we enter into glory... Whether he meets us here on the earth or whether we meet him in heaven, at some point God's going to say, what did you do? What did you do? He's going to say it lovingly, not that intense. Come on. He's more loving than I am. But he's going to say, what did you do with that gift that I gave you? Somebody said, God didn't do nothing. I, I hustled. I worked. I stayed up all night. I'm the one that got the degree. I'm the one that's hustled. I'm the one that became a multimillionaire. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the health? Who gave you the resources? Are you hearing me today? Everything in your life is a gift from God. There is no one self-made. That's good teaching today, man. And I tell you right now, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. You know why few are chosen? Because very few people show up. Everyone's invited to help God move, but very few people show up on moving day. You know who God goes with? People that go. Do you know who God uses? People that are willing to be used. So I want to tell you right now, number one is the wise servant is the one that realizes that my calling and my purpose comes from God. Number two is the wise servant is someone that is competent. And I believe some of you have never multiplied the, the talent on your life because you've never invested in competency. Some of you are like, well, I'll just tithe, and tithe will be a miracle pill to get me out of debt. 
It'll be a miracle pill that I'll just keep getting raises and bonuses, and I'll just I'll spend foolishly. I won't save for a rainy day. I'll have zero budget, but I'm a tither. And I want you to know there's two extremes. There's an extreme that God doesn't get the tithe. I have to hoard money to take care of myself, and I'll work my tail off. And there's another extreme that I won't work at all, but I'll tithe, and you're broke too. Why do both people have holes in their wallets? Because there is something beautiful between diligence and faithfulness. I know a lot of Christians, man, that they're very diligent, but they don't honor God financially. Well, I'm a millionaire. Yeah, you'd probably be a billionaire if you do it God's way. Yeah, why I'm mad? Let's talk about it for a second. I told First Service, you know, our church is great. We're a generous church. We're about 45 to 50% of our church would be tithers. That's really high. Nationally, probably 15 to 20% would be tithers in the church world. Best churches in America, 75%. I know two churches like that. We're getting there. Can I get an amen? Amen. But you know what bothers me? Is how many would say, I want to be a part of a church that reaches people. People get saved at, healed at, miracles happen at it. That we should be bringing people in. Okay, so we all agree on that. What bothers me is we have people in our college that are janitors that contribute more to this church than some people that live in mansions. And I think to myself, God, one day, some of these people, because here's what they do, they don't understand the Bible, and I think some people do it ignorantly, because there's a lot of Christians that mean well, but they're giving their tithe to their Christian school their kids go to. They're giving the tithe to orphanages. They're giving the tithe to parachurch organizations. The Bible is very clear that you give the tithe to where you get fed, the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. And you're like, well, I'm trying to help God out. God does not need your help. I promise you, if you would tithe to this church, we'll build more orphanages than anybody can give by themselves. If you give to this church, we'll support more nations than you could ever support by yourself. Well, I, I just, I'm going to help God. No, you don't have to help God out. One of my mentors, John Mavir, he said this. He goes, Mark, I went to churches that tried to help God out. They gave the pastor a crappy salary. I said it. They, they, the, the church, didn't, they, they, they saved money in the pastor's staff. All the staff made beans. They're all on food stamps. And uh, guess what? The business people in that church, they all struggled. And he said, but the church saved thousands of dollars, and they gave the extra money to missions. And those churches would get thousands of dollars to missions. He said, but then I go to these other churches that they paid the pastors a good salary. They were able to drive a new car, send their kids to good schools. The staff was well compensated. Everybody was able to afford to live where they're pastoring. And he said, those churches didn't give thousands to missions. Those churches gave millions to missions. He said, I've seen it all over the world, even in third world countries. The Bible says those that labor in the word of God are worthy of double honor, double pay. But we try to help God. No, no, no. If we would rip the staff off, we can do more for God. God's like, I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I just need you to honor me. No, God, I'm struggling financially. I need 100% of my income. God's like, I don't need your help. I'll do more with 90% than you'd ever do with 100%. The problem is some of you are helping God, and God never asked you for your help. This is too strong today for Orange County. This guy's going to lose some friends today. I would rather have a smaller church that's on fire, that lives biblically, that's not consumers, but actually producing something for God. 
That's why the church is fat and sassy in America, because we know more Bible than we live. I got verses memorized. You ain't living that verse. You say you do it, but you don't live it. And I'll tell you right now, you know when revival comes? is when the church in America is on fire. It's crazy. In the Middle East, I've been, at, I've been at churches in Africa. I was with a, a pastor who just got back from the largest church building in the world. You know where it's at? It's in a part of Africa that the, the monthly wage, the monthly wage is $30 a month. The, the church is so big that when they do altar calls, they have a big semi-truck with a flatbed trailer. People get on the trailer and they drive them to the altar call. The original name, if you look it up, it's called Winter's Chapel was the original name. And the pastor goes, so, so John Mavira's guy, John was there, and John goes, um, he said, Pastor, how did you build the largest church building in the world? In a poor third world country in Africa. And the pastor goes, ah. He says, church, 100% tithe. Watch what he said next. He said, when we started construction, people in our church got second jobs. And gave the entire second stream of income to build the house of God. I've never seen a church in America on fire like that, but I'm believing one day people are going to take this place serious. Come on, give God a good hand clap if you believe you can do it in America. I refuse to believe that greater things will happen in Africa than here. Orange County deserves a church that's competent. Can I get an amen? He doesn't just say, well. He says, well done. You know what competency will do? It'll, it'll give you the grace to actually take your God-given talent and actually finish something with it. We have a lot of starters in the church. We don't have a lot of finishers. God doesn't reward you by how you start. He rewards you by how you. That's why Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have ran the good race. There is laid up for me a, a crown. Do you know what the crowns are re re reserved for? Those that finish well. And I want you to know that God is not a socialist. If he was, everyone would have gotten three talents. There's capitalism in this passage. One got one, one got two, one got five. And they were rewarded equally because God doesn't always give us the same gifts, but he will reward us if we're faithful with them. And you write this down. You can put this in your theological pipe and smoke this one later. But write this down. What you believe determines where you spend eternity. But make no mistake about it, how you live will determine how you spend eternity. You think we're going to the Truman Show in heaven? No, we're not. There's not, sub, there's not suburbs in heaven with little cookie-cutter houses, and we're not all going to get the same rewards. The Bible says that the elders threw their crowns. There was different crowns. There's another parable in Luke that talks about that when you're faithful with your talents, he would give you cities to oversee in heaven. We're going to have work in heaven, but it's going to be re rewarding work. Work without sweat. There's going to be delivering things without labor. It's going to be the most beautiful, perfect place you've ever been to. But listen to me. Some of you are going to get to heaven and you're like, uh, this, this is real. I heard one scholar say that, that more people, when they wake up in eternity, are going to wish they did more with their life on earth. The moment, the first moment they wake up in eternity, they're going to wish, man, if I could go back and live my life over again. I would have aimed at this place. 
I would say most people in our country aim for retirement, not heaven. I want to live my life for heaven. Can I get a good amen? Someone come on, like he's almost finished. Can I give you three more points here today? The wise, the wise actually realized that not only was there a competency that gives you a plan, well done. Competency will help you get things done. Number three, competency and, and, and calling will lead you to God's, we need God's power. Power is called charisma. And I'll lose some of you in here because you're like, oh, charismatic? You guys think you're better than everybody else? No. I think charisma, it comes from the word grace. It's where we get charis is grace. And grace, contrary to how most pastors, a lot of pastors preach grace, grace is not like this diaper you keep putting on every time you pee your pants and sin. Some churches, they're led by pastors that are so defeated, they preach defeated messages to defeated people. And they go, but thank God, you know, we all just stink and we all smell like a junior high locker room. You know, we're just a bunch of screw-ups all the time. We can never do anything right. But thank God for grace. And listen, I'm with you. We all stink sometimes. But I think we should be aiming a little bit higher than diapers. I think we should be saying, like, all of us can get potty trained because there's power. All of us can grow in the things of God because there's grace. And by the way, grace in the New Testament is more referred to as divine empowerment than it is as forgiveness. In our world, we talk more about the forgiveness side of grace than the power side of grace. You know, grace will help you do what you can't do. And FYI, if you can do what God's asking you to do without God's grace, I would argue that's not God's plan. God's call will take you out of your depth. He'll call you to do things that require more education than you have, more IQ than you have, more staff than you have, more skills than you have. Is there anyone else we're talking about in here today? When God calls you to something, it's great. And you need his power to do it. God, you're calling me. You're giving me competence, a plan. But I need your charisma. I need your power. And that some of you, you know that day, it's called Take Your Kids to Work Day. My buddy, he's a manager of a skate shop. They have locations all over California. And he took his daughter to work with him. And I'm like, I'm going to call child services on you. I'm kidding. Because <laughs> he started at like 6 a.m. And they got home at like 8 p.m. I'm like, dude, you're breaking some child labor laws for sure. But he said, it's, it's take your kid to work. Day. It was so cute. He had his daughter. They're like bringing all these snowboards and skateboards to these skate shops. And um, it was really sweet. But I thought it was kind of cool that he brought his daughter to work. And she got to be there with him all day. And I felt the Lord as I was praying for you guys just saying, tell my kids that I want them to live a life that take your God to work day. Some of you be way more successful. I'm not talking about making more money. I'm talking about finding way more purpose. If you would take your God to work with you. Some of you only take God to church. After church, you put him back in the trunk of your car. You say, we'll see you next Sunday. God doesn't want to live in your trunk. He doesn't want to be in the back seat. God ain't no backseat driver. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, well, look, Mark, God's not in the backseat, but he's not driving. He's riding shotgun. I think there's levels of maturity that when you become a baby Christian, he's in your trunk, but he's not driving. You become a teenage Christian, he's in the backseat, but he's still not driving. You become a young adult Christian, he's in the passenger seat, but he's not driving. And remember, he only fixes things if he owns them. 
He'll fix it. He'll fix your mind if you'll give your mind to him. He'll heal your body if you'll give your body to him. Some of you need to wake up today. I said this freedom, but I want to say it again. There's people in the hospital right now that are dying, wishing they had what you have right now. And some of you are wallflowers right now, just going, ah, oh, you need to shake yourself out of your funk today. God can change you. God can heal you. There's still time left in your clock. Stop wasting your talents. Stop digging God's gifts and put them in the ground. God does not want you to maintain what you have. He wants you to multiply it. That's faithfulness. By this the Son of Man is, is magnified that you be fruitful. That you bear much fruit. Fruit that remains. This is honoring my Father. Some of you never honor the Father because you just think God wants you to be faithful. No, faithful is fruitful. And if you're not being fruitful, you might not be faithful. We don't serve a maintaining God. Trying to get you to cruise down the hill the rest of your life. No, you're called to take some ground. Where's the Caleb's at up in here taking some mountains? Lastly, and I'll wrap up with this today, is I believe the wise steward teaches us that we, we, we look, we need to be called. We need to be competent. And certainly God will give us charisma. But all those things are for nothing if we don't let God develop our character. I prayed a prayer about 20 years ago, maybe, maybe 18 years ago. God began to bless our youth ministry. I feel like I started hanging out with some of the probably the more well-known preachers in America that were my age, many of which would go on to become pretty, pretty well-known, famous, have TV shows and different things. I wasn't jockeying for that stuff, but I looked around and God, I said, God, I feel like I have similar gifts than they do. Why are you elevating them and not elevating me the same way? And I heard the Lord say, he goes, Mark, do you want to get there fast and fall? Or would you be okay with going slow and staying? And I felt the fear of God come into me. And I said, Lord, if you have to hide me in the backside of the desert the rest of my life to prevent me from ever doing something stupid that would make your church look ugly, I'd rather go the slow way. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite thinkers, he said, great philosopher, he said, one of God's hardest jobs is to find men and women that he can trust with his power. You know why? Because absolute power absolutely corrupts. And there's many people, we have a laundry list, don't we? Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Bill Cosby, people with crazy gifts, but never allowed God to develop the character. The good news is God is redemptive. Can I get an amen? But I just feel like today, some of you, you're like, Mark, I'm going through a hard time right now. Let God develop your character. I want character that can hold my calling. You know what I think is so important about this? God said he had character. These, the wise servants, you know they're wise? Because when they, when they were successful, they didn't spend what they earned on themselves. I've never seen that before. They realized that everything they had was from the master. Everything they had was for the master. And one day, they're going to give it back to the master. I thought for most of us, it would read like this. And God gave Mark five talents and so-and-so five talents and so-and-so one talent. And Mark got five talents, made five more, and spent three and returned two to the master. But I love the fact that they realized, the wise stewards realized, whatever God you bless me with, I'll bless you back with. And I think that God, this is wild. 
I thought, why was God so upset with the, with the third, uh, the, the lazy servant? There's one that was a bad servant. And I think I was upset. Listen to me very clear. I'll give you a revelation I've never seen before. He was upset because he told all three guys the same thing, but the only one of them perceived it weird. God actually expects us to actually see him with a good lens. It's perception. Do you know the guy that buried his talent heard the same thing as the other two guys? But he conceived something different in his mind. He didn't have the instinct to go do something with what he was given. The part that made me upset is like, God, this guy was just trying to protect something. And I'm like, God, he, uh, he, you never told him to multiply his gift. You didn't tell any of them to multiply it. But you rewarded him on something you never told him to do. And God rewarded instinct. God rewarded two guys that realized everything that I have in this world is for God. It's for the master. I'm going to bring it back to him. There's another time in Luke that there was ten lepers. Same story. God healed all of them. And you know what God didn't do? He didn't say this. Hey, lepers, you're all healed. And when you get healed, come back here and say thank you. Never said it. But we know we expected it. You know why we know he expected it? Because when one leper came back, he goes, where's the other nine? Was there not ten that were healed? And only one of you had the instinct to come say thank you? Where are the Christians that say, God, look, you might not be asking for everything, but I'm going to give it to you. You didn't ask me to, to, to bring my faith into the boardroom, but I'm bringing it for you. Where are the people that say, God, my whole life belongs to you? I want you to stand your feet today. I believe that God today is going to give multiplied talents. You know why the lazy, wicked servant was like that? Because he thought he had a bad picture of God. You won't use your gifts for God if you have a bad picture of God. Some of you don't even like what I'm saying right now. You're like, I don't think God's good. Well, that's your problem. That's why you'll never multiply your gifts. Because how you see God is how you'll use your talents. If you think God's looking for a reason to judge you, he already found a reason to forgive you 2,000 years ago. God is not angry with you, friends. He's looking for a reason to bless you today. But you can't give your kids the keys to the car until they learn how to drive that thing. It's bad parenting. Some of you want God to bless you, but you're not doing what God asked you to do already. If you would obey his voice, God will begin to elevate you. Today is the day that God wants to open up the windows of heaven. I just really feel like strong. This is, I wrote this down. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give you rain on your land in its season and to bless all of the work of your hands. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 12, and you shall lend to many nations, even Israel. Can I get an amen? But you shall not borrow. This promise is reserved for those that will let God bless the work of their... I know that Second Opinions 3.16 says those, God will bless those that bless themselves. It's not a verse though. God doesn't bless stupid. God blesses diligence and obedience. And I really felt like God said today, if this church would give them, if, if this church would give me their talents, I'll take two and make four. I'll take five and make 10. I'll take 10 and make 20. Who wants God to multiply the grace that's on your life? Anybody hungry for that today? Very important. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Is that all right? 
If you're here today and you say, Mark, I, I feel like one of these four areas, I haven't lived for God's calling or purpose, but I want to. Maybe you're here and you say, Mark, I've been working, but not with God's wisdom and competency. Or maybe you would say, I, I've been working competently, but I've never really brought God, the Spirit of God, to work with me. I've never asked God for help with what I'm doing with my gifts. Today's the day. Or maybe you're here and you say, Mark, I want to have character. I don't want to ruin my, I don't want to ruin my marriage. I don't want to ruin my kids. I don't want to ruin my family. I don't want to screw up my business. God, I need character. If one of those four areas are touching a chord in your heart and you want the good master to multiply your talents, would you lift your hands all over these tents? We're going to finish up like this. We're about, about out of here today. You're serious. Just put your hands up right now. How many say, Mark, I just feel like God, I'm asking him to clarify my calling. Would you give God a wave offering today, God? I don't know what to do next, but I know you do. I know you do. Awesome. God sees those hands. How many today would say, Mark, I'm working, but I'm not working really smart right now. I need God to show me how to do things better, smarter, wiser. Come on, give God a wave offering right now. I feel like I'm not working very smart with my talents. Third area, you say, Mark, I've never really brought God into my gifts. I bring them to church, but I don't bring them into my family, my business, my finances, my, my, my relationships. I want to bring God to work from now on. Would you raise your, give God a wave offering right now? I feel God, he's convicted some of you. I want, to, I want to work with God. And lastly, you feel like God's digging your character out. I want, I need more, I need more of that character that's going to sustain me, Lord. Would you give God a wave offering today? If you waved your hands in any of those areas, would you lift both hands towards heaven right now? Sometimes the only voice you believe is your own voice. So pray it to God. He's listening right now. Say, Jesus. All over Ocean Church, like you mean to say, Jesus, I asked you today, you would reveal your calling and your purpose for my life. Life's not an accident, so I don't want to live accidentally. Show me your plan. I ask you for competency, wisdom, the art of living life well. I also ask you for charisma. Holy Spirit, fill me. Weaponize my gifts for the kingdom of heaven. And finally, I ask you to give me character. Not just gifts, make me godly. You know, we live in a day that celebrates gifts, but not godliness. Where's people who want to be godly? Come on, give God a wave offer. You say, God, I want to be godly today. I want to be godly, not just gifted. I want to be godly. I want to be godly. Come on, tell them I want to be godly. I want to be godly. I, I want to be godly. I want, I want my friends that don't believe in God to, to, to scratch their head when they see my life. I want to be godly. All over these tents today, I'm finished. Let's pray these last two areas today. I believe that God is going to multiply your talents. Grab your neighbor's hand today. I feel faith in this tent. If you're watching online, listen to me. There's ideas. There's solutions. There is, I believe, an open heavens that God is going to take what you have if you'll give it to the master, and he's going to multiply it. Some of you need to make up your mind today. Not when you get home, you'll forget. This is a holy moment. If God would bless you, what would you do with the blessing? I pastored a lot of NFL football players. I was a chaplain at Boise State, and I often tell these guys, I'd say, guys, you're moving to Miami to play for the Dolphins. You're moving to Cleveland to play for the Browns. You're moving to New York to play for the Giants. Listen to me. If you want God to bless your career in a way that he doesn't bless other football players' career, you need to do something that other football players won't do. You know all your friends do? They get a paycheck. 
They go to Happy Jewelers. They drop 50 grand on jewelry. And there's nothing wrong with jewelry. But I tell you, if you would honor God before you honor yourself, and you make up your mind and say, Lord, whether I make 100,000 or I make 100 million, I'm going to build your kingdom. And whether I'm on Sports Center one time for 30 seconds, or whether I'm on Sports Center every single week, I promise that I'll speak for your voice. I'll represent your kingdom. You know what I told him? Listen to me, Orange County. I said, give God a reason to favor you. You know why I think many of you don't get elevated? Because you haven't given God a reason to favor your life. Do you know why I think God's blessed my wife another way he has? Is I just keep getting them over and over again. I keep living like, God, I'm going to give you good reasons to make me, make me great. If you make me great, I'm going to spend all of it on you. I'm going to use all that I have to just love people, reach people, make a difference in the world for your kingdom. If you would bless me, I'll use all of it for you. And I believe if God owns everything, he'll fix stuff when it breaks. You guys ready to go? So how many today would say, I want, I want to give God a reason to bless my life? Is there anybody that fills in your heart? Just say amen. I know you're holding your hands. Say amen. Grab your neighbor's hand one more time. I know it's sweaty. It's all right. It's anointed. Pray this prayer all over Ocean's Church. Say, Jesus, today, I'm asking you that you would give my neighbor a reason to want to surrender everything. I pray on my left and on my right we would live a life that you would want to bless we would be faithful with all that you give us our time our treasure and yes our talents today we pray multiply our talents and we make a, a deal with you today that if you do we'll honor your kingdom with them We'll honor your kingdom with them. We'll honor the church with them. In Jesus' name. I believe, God, we're doing business with the Lord today. Come on, say amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? If people that don't know, if people that don't know God can make deals with the devil, how many believe those of us that know God can make a deal with God? Last thing I want to pray for today is if you need a healing in your body, you need to give your life to the Lord. We're going to pray these last quick prayers here. If you're here and you need a physical healing today, lift your hands. God told me there's someone that had a gastro bypass surgery. I heard it. I heard it. I don't know. I had to look it up on my phone what it was. It's when someone has a surgery to like shrink your stomach, I believe. It didn't work well. You've had repercussions. You have leaky gut syndrome now. And the Lord said he's going to heal your stomach in this service. I don't know if you're living for God or not, but God told me he's healing you right now. Yeah. There's someone that has like some sort of microorganisms that are causing like unhealthy intestines. It's like, I don't know if it's like a worm or something like some sort of, it's causing some sort of sulfuric acid to build up and come up your esophagus. You haven't been able to stop it. And God said the day that he's gonna heal you in this atmosphere. I know when I hear God's voice. If you have a healing in your body, I want you to lift your hand right now someone that's going to get pregnant this week raise your hand if you want to get pregnant this week come on i don't care who you are be bold there's someone in here that you've been trying to have kids but you haven't you're going to have kids i believe this is the week it's the week come on somebody someone say praise the lord for that that's a good word right there that's a good homework assignment can i get an amen three people have a sense of humor in this church if you need a healing on your body raise your hand there's someone in here you're l4 in your back neck it's messed up god's going to heal you right now someone someone compressed a vertebrae 
I think it was a skiing accident. God's healing your back right now. I believe in creative miracles that God can put a new vertebrae in your back. There's someone in here that has metal in your leg and your foot, and I believe that God could heal a metal plate. God could actually remove what's not there and bring in what is needs to be there. It happens all the time in the world today. God can heal a, a, a messed up tooth. God can mess up a messed up bone. God can heal a messed up ligament, a joint, a tendon. Who believes God could do anything? All right, if your hand's up, find somebody, put your hand on their shoulder. Need a healing, lift your hand, lift your hand. You know the Drill Oceans Church. Find somebody. There's a guy over here, guys over here. Come on, find somebody. Find everyone gets a hand on their shoulder. Everyone gets a hand on their shoulder. We're praying right now. Everyone's gonna pray right now. Come on, say in Jesus' name, you said, lay hands on the sick, they would recover. We declare miracles, signs, wonders, gifts of healing, working of miracles, top of their head, soles of their feet. God, get all the glory when you do the powerful miracle in Jesus' name. If you receive it, whether you shake, rattle, or roll, whether you feel it or not, come on, on faith, give me a hand clap today. And the very last thing we do, before we go find some meat to eat, all the vegans said amen. Last thing we do before we go eat lunch is uh, if you're here today, you pray those prayers. I know everyone responds. It's awesome. God's going to, he's going to bless your talents. But I got to go back, just take one step backwards and just say, before we give God our calling, before we give him our competency, before we ask him to come and give us character and charisma, we got to invite God officially back into our life or for the first time, give our life to Jesus. If you get serious with God, He'll get serious with you. If that's you today, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Actually, eyes open today. I feel faith in here. Someone needs to get serious with God today. And if you can't get bold for God in this room, you'll never get bold for God outside of this room. If you won't be proud to be a Christian with, around Christians, you will never be proud to be a Christian around the world. So if you're ready to go all in, there's some guys raising their hands already. If that's you, say, I'm going all in today. Raise your hand right now. I'm going all in today. This is the day. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Yeah, yeah, I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Raise it real high, real high. I'm going to count. I'll, I'll count all over. I see one, two, three, real high. Four, five, real high. Six, real high. Seven, real high. Where you at? Where you at? Any more? Seven hands. Anybody else? Eight hands. I see in the back. Awesome, awesome. At least eight. At least eight. Oceans, if you're online watching, write heart, H-E-A-R-T, if you want to give God your heart today. You know, every week we have several people give their lives to Jesus online. So awesome. So right now, write heart. Let's pray this last prayer together, and then we're going to close the service out. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Today, I take your side against myself. Forgive me for my darkness, my sin my old life today I turn to you and I ask you to take ownership of my life the old me dies today and the new me rises in Christ now in Jesus name give me a great church give me a love for the Bible and give me friends that can show me your ways in Jesus name and if you're ready to multiply Oceans Church come on say a good amen give me a hand clap